It wasn't pretty, but Miami got the job done, led by Jimmy Butler's 12th triple-double in a Heat uniform and a combined 44 points from Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo. A good, gritty effort for Miami on the second night of a back-to-back set as Miami turned a corner. We break down the game and answer that and much more on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team... Every day. All right. Welcome to Locked on Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg, editor at allyoucaneat.com. And joining me as always, it's longtime NBA reporter David Ramel. However you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app, thanks so much, thanks so much for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use the code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Recording this on a Wednesday night after the Heat beat the Spurs 116 to 104. The Heat have now won four of their last five games. Jimmy Butler recorded a triple double with 17 points, 11 rebounds, and 11 assists. He scored at least 20 points in the six games coming into this one and then was just as effective in this game with this triple double. We saw real intensity from him. We saw another fourth quarter takeover from him. David, I think it's safe to say this is the best he's looked all season. Yeah, obviously he took to heart whatever was discussed in that team meeting a couple of weeks ago, and it has yeah. provided a source of inspiration for him. We mentioned that in yesterday's recap because he looked so energetic and he was a, a singular force in helping Miami pull away from the magic late in the game. And then tonight, he just he continued to be very effective. But the fact that he had a, a balanced triple-double like that, he was very aggressive defensively. He had three steals as well, pulling down rebounds, boxing out, talking, communicating, chirping at referees. This game had it all for Jimmy Butler, and it played to his pace, too. It was a, a very up-and-down mm-hmm. game. I think the Spurs, you know, they're not a good team, only 10 wins, but – uh, they were competitive tonight, and Webanyama got some good foul calls his way to go along with some nice three-point shooting. It, you know, again, he's a very good player, obviously, but I think Jimmy kind of embraced that challenge of being on the second night of a back-to-back and knowing that maybe things weren't going to be going as smooth offensively as they had yesterday against the Magic. And I think it kind of again played to his strength. He was able to get to the free throw line. He was able to ignite offense. He was able to get his teammates going. This is what Jimmy loves to do, a good balanced approach. He doesn't want to have to score 40 points. I think we've seen in the past that he's more than capable of doing so when it matters in the playoffs, but that's not who he prefers to be. I think mm-hmm. this is more aligned with his overall game, playing both sides of the ball, getting his teammates going, and getting to the, getting to score when it needed to. Yeah, I mean, he was Miami's third leading scorer. Tyler Hero was a leading scorer with 24. Bam had 20. Right. It should be one of those three it should be sort of the quote-unquote big three one of those guys should be leading the team in scoring it shouldn't be some sort of unless Duncan Robinson has some sort of crazy game from three-point range like it should be that it should look like that it should just be those three also being the three top scorers and I'm fine with it like I said Jimmy had scored 20 plus points in the six straight games going into this game he had not scored 20 plus games I think in four or five consecutive games all season Prior to this stretch. So this is by far, this is all-star Jimmy Butler. And I bet it's going to look a little silly when he's not actually in the all-star game by the end of the season, just like it did last season that he wasn't an all-star, but the guy ends up making an all NBA team. Jimmy Butler has kicked it into high gear. You mentioned how this game was played. 
I kept looking at the box score and I was like, why aren't the Heat up more? They just mm. kind of kept nursing like a one-point lead, a three-point yep. lead, a five-point lead, and the Spurs just kept coming back. And I guess it helps that Trey Jones goes seven up for 11. Devin Vassell yep. goes eight for 18. You already mentioned Victor Webanyama, who was very effective. They got a bunch of contributions up and down their bench. Uh, and that was a big factor, I think, in the first half, more so than the second half. But eventually, they, they, the Heat take a one-point lead going into that fourth quarter. And just right. like it happened uh, the other night, uh, or, or last night, Tuesday night against Orlando, Jimmy Butler against Orlando, he comes out in the fourth quarter, scores eight straight points, right? Right. Takes over the game, Magic, uh, or the Heat roll to a win over the Magic. In this one, Heat go into the fourth quarter with a one-point lead. You're kind of sitting there like, all right, is somebody going to take over? Is somebody going to do something? And Jimmy Butler's like, I'll do it. He scores <laughs> seven straight points to open up the fourth quarter, and it probably would have been nine, except he opted to lob it up to Bam Adebayo instead of taking the wide-open layup for the, basically the highlight of the game. And so right. he ends up uh, contributing nine straight points between the points and the assists uh, to start the fourth quarter. It was that fourth-quarter takeover from Jimmy Butler. Bam Adebayo got into early foul trouble in this game, and it kind of altered Jimmy's rotation minutes. Instead of getting yep. to rest a long stretch in that third quarter, he only really got to – uh, sit for two minutes, I think, in that third quarter, I, and then was I in the game to start also, the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think that was also related to Terry Rozier taking a shot to the face and and maybe even coughing up some blood because I think it was immediately after Rozier took that shot that Jimmy was inserted back into the game. So mm. I, I think that might have been a factor. I can't say for certain, sure, but that's the way it looked at least on the broadcast. But it was a Jimmy Butler takeover, and I love it. Yes. I, and, and when he plays like this, I don't care if it's seventeen points or twenty seven points. He's playing with force. He's running the offense. We get point Jimmy lineups. Uh, with that second unit, we get the big face bench or whatever we're calling it now. I love that game. I love the way that Jimmy Butler has been playing. And like I said, you see the trickle down effect. Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero then are just able to anchor this other kind of unit where they're running pick and roll and it's Tyler and, and Bam running pick and roll. And then it's Tyler Hero and Terry Rozier and they're sort of developing two-man game, which has actually been quite nice. They're running screens for each other. They're giving and going. They're kind of working together on the court and they're figuring out where each other likes the ball and where they like to be off the ball. I don't know. Uh, they've won four of their last five games. It really feels like Miami's starting to turn a corner here. I, I, I would have to say they have, but it's also with a huge grain of salt because I think they're capable of both sides. I think they're capable of playing better than they have been. They're playing more to their identity, something that Jimmy spoke about in yesterday's postgame presser at the same time. Jimmy Butler also I, said that he didn't think they played that well in this game either. Right. I, I think they can play better, but that's Jimmy. I mean, he said that, yeah. historically uh even after big wins and stuff like that it's like i know what my guys are capable of we'll play better i know we can blah, be blah, better etc yeah i mean this is who jimmy is at the same time i wouldn't necessarily be surprised if they struggle too i i don't want to dismiss this loss and i'm not going to at all i've seen some people already on social media kind of decry it and saying oh it's just against a 10 win spurs team you have to be able to knock off the bad teams as well as the good ones. The ultimate test will come on Sunday to prove whether or not Miami has, in fact, turned a corner. If they're able to challenge Boston, certainly mm. much more competitively than they did in their last uh, matchup, that, I think, will be a much further indicator of how far along That's they've come and, and whether or not they have, in fact, turned a corner. Yeah. But I, I see a difference here. The seven-game losing streak really wore on them. And we saw this up close. We saw this on the TV when they were on road games. I mean, they just looked like they were not comfortable. And and it was trading Kyle. It was acquiring Terry Rozier and trying to incorporate him. It was trying to figure out how to play more off ball for Tyler, how to adjust to newer roles, how to welcome guys back in the lineup after players had been hurt. Caleb, 
uh, you know, Jaime, a lot of players coming back, and it just nothing seemed like it was flowing. But now all of a sudden, even with that Clippers loss on Sunday, it seems like this team is much more energized, much more focused, much more relaxed and playing loose. There's an energy. You can see it palpably on TV. You can see it in the locker room. It's pretty clear this team feels like they're having a good time again, and I think that's going to be enough to kind of carry them through through the All-Star break and hopefully mm. to the rest of the season. Uh, I think the rotations have a big part in that, and yep. we're going to talk about that in the third segment. We're going to do credit cookies in the second segment. But la one last point. When you mentioned that Boston Celtics game on Sunday, it's a yeah. great thing to point out. That's going to be a measuring stick game. And, you know, you hate to get on a, a Miami Heat podcast and say it doesn't really matter if they win or lose as long as the game's competitive. So I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to put that out there as something I'm not going to say. Uh, How's that? I, I look so I, <laughs> Last time during the losing streak, I thought, you know, they had lost a couple games and they were incorporating Rozier. And then they had that matchup against the Celtics. I'm thinking to myself, and I said it at the podcast at the time, it's like, this is the team, this is the matchup that they historically get up for, right? It's like, okay, it's on national television. Yeah. We've got something to prove against the best team in the Eastern Conference, blah, 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 all these different things. And then they just go and lay a complete dud out there for everybody to see. And they're kind of exposed a little bit. And then it kind of adds to it. Snowballs from that point forward into that longer losing streak. I think now you're starting to see a flip side of that where they've been winning. The vibes are good. And you go into a matchup against the Boston Celtics at home at 2 o'clock. I think it's a better opportunity for them. So I'm much more optimistic. They've got a couple of days off too. A couple yep. of ga day games, uh, days for practice. It's a good chance for them to kind Maybe of Maybe Terry Rozier will get his first practice as a Heat player. <laughs> yeah, um, it's about to happen. This this four or five game stretch, you can look at it and you're like, yeah, well, you know, you beat the Wizards and you, and you you beat the Spurs. Like, congrats. But they also beat the Kings. They also beat the Magic. And the Spurs game was on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. None of that. I don't care who you're playing. You cannot take the second yeah. night of a back-to-back -back for granted. And like I predicted, everybody who could play did play in this game. But I'll even go back to that Clippers game, man. If they put up a game on Sunday against Boston, the way they did against the Clippers last Sunday, I'll be okay with that. The Clippers might be the best team in the NBA right now, if not the That's Celtics, fair. right? Yeah. And so uh, I, if, if you can get that close, if you can keep it competitive and make the Celtics sweat, and like you said, don't lay an egg the way you did. Just have some respect and show that you deserve to be on the same court as this, as the number one team in the Eastern Conference right now. I, I think it is. It's a huge measuring stick game, and I think there's going to be a lot of analysis to take away from that one, more than just the yeah. W or the L, right? More than just Correct. the final score. But we're going to keep talking about this game in the next segment when we hand out credit cookies next on Locked on Heat. Today's episode is brought to you by Nissan. Are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little further? Have you ever wondered what adventure could be around the next corner? Our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. The new 2024 Nissan Rogue is perfect for city drives and for great escapes. Class exclusive Google built-in is your always, always updating assistant to call on for almost anything. God are the days of connecting your phone. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into a 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system. The 2024 Rogue is the perfect mid-size crossover. I've got one. I can speak to that. It's perfect. It's great. Ooh. I love it. I love driving around the city. I, I just it's so convenient. It's a, it's a great vehicle. It really is. I, I thought it was going to be, you know, I, I was going to get a safe family car, right? I'm at that point in my life. Got a child. I've got a wife. We've got to drive around places. Guess what? The road kicks ass. It is really fun to drive. How's the cup holder situation? It's perfect. I've got more than enough space there. I've got enough for everything. I've got a nice little console. 
got all sorts of little different crevices and places to put all sorts of knickknacks and everything else like that. I've got my whole life in there, and it gets me to games. It gets me back home. I always feel comfortable. Even driving away from the arena at midnight, I feel great in my Nissan Rogue. So it's definitely a worthy investment. But you can also look at the Nissan Pathfinder if you're looking for something a little bit bigger. You can also go to the 2024 Nissan Armada. It'll change what you expect from a full-size SUV. I was considering the Armada. It just might be a little bit too big for me personally, but it's a rugged vehicle, a 4x4 that can seat up to eight people. So, again, lots of different options when it comes to Nissan's new line of SUVs. So take the Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada and go find your next big adventure. Go shop at NissanUSA.com. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Every day, or guess what? Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. It's the NBA trade deadline. There could still be something that the Miami Heat are able to pull off. Maybe a smaller move, but whatever happens, we're going to have our trade deadline recap. Whether or not the Miami Heat make a move, we know there's going to be a lot of moves impacting the Miami Heat throughout the Eastern Conference. You're going to want to check us out. Already won today with the Boston Celtics. Xavier Tillman, right? I kind of liked him for Miami. They couldn't do it. Whatever. Good, great pickup for the Boston. We're going to kind of break down all those things and how it does impact Miami and the Eastern Conference as a whole on tomorrow's episode. Lockdown has also launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Well, David, I can't believe I'm doing this for the second time in two days. It's the tastiest segment of Locked on Heat. It is time for credit cookies. Who are we giving cookies out to again? The oven's barely cooled off, and we're already getting it restarted with another batch of fresh finished, credit cookies. We haven't finished the other batch of cookies. What are we, it is it the holidays? <laughs> yeah. What's going on here? Cookies galore. I'm keeping it simple, just like the Heat did tonight okay. in their approach. I'm giving credit cookies to Miami's quote-unquote big three. Jimmy Butler with four cookies, with Bam and Tyler getting three apiece to round yeah. it off. I think that's the distribution there. Tyler scoring effectively, Bam scoring effectively, his overall game, doing a nice job defensively on Webanyama, despite the early foul trouble. Again, some of those calls I think were a Ticky little ticky tack. Yes, yep. at, at seven foot three and weighing 125 pounds, soaking wet, like Webanyama just kind of falls over his gangly baby. I think giraffe the wind leg. got. I think the wind got called for a foul at one point. <laughs> like again, he moves with he's everything. Very skilled, great handle, yeah. great three point shot, barely moved the rim. Oh, yeah, he, he's a great player, but at the same time, like he, he couldn't bench press a fly. Like it, it's. Just, I was watching him is, warm up. I was watching him warm up, David, and it's so interesting. This is the first time, obviously, I've gotten to watch him warm up. Right. Um, I've seen a bunch of his games. Obviously, you know, you and I cover the entire league, and I've watched a lot of his games. But seeing him warm up, it's like, what do you do with this guy? Right. Like, how do yeah. you even uh, how do you even approach like building up his, building his warm up kind of routine? And they're like, we're just gonna have him do everything because he can literally do everything. And so he's right. out there. He's taking, getting the ball at, at half court and running up into, uh, run into and and pull up three pointers. I'm like, why are you practicing that right now? And Duncan not, Robinson does that. You right, know, that's yeah, Duncan right. and Tyler Hero practice that exact same thing. You go from half court to the three point line, stop, pop, pull up for a three. He's doing that. He's got the low, the catch it in the mid post, spin baseline, and do those things. Dunking from the free throw line. You know, one big right. drop step, dunk from the free throw line. Like he's just literally practicing everything. I'm right. I, I'm like, why? Why? It, it's crazy what this guy can do. That said, 
very, very slender. And uh, yeah, he moves around and it's, it's tough to officiate him. I'll give the officials credit for that. It's got to be tough to officiate him. That said, Bam was awesome. I thought he was awesome defensively for the second straight night. Yeah. Uh, offensively, much more efficient. 10 or 14, 20 points. Uh, I loved what I saw from Bam and Tyler Hero in that pick and roll. Not just tonight, but over yes. the last couple of games. Um, with this new rotation, especially these two nights, where you're basically you have two different offenses with these two different units that you're basically playing, right? You have the starting lineup, that is what it is. Then Jimmy Butler kind of gets his, he goes to the bench, and now you've got Bam, Tyler, Tara Rozier, Jaime Jaquez, and Caleb Martin. And that group is very much built around the Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo pick and roll, and to a lesser right. extent, the Tara Rozier, Bam Adebayo pick and roll, and then to an even lesser extent, the Tara Rozier, Tyler Hero two-man game. But it's really the anchor is that Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo pick and roll, and everybody sort of plays off of that. And yeah. I asked Eric Spolstra about it after the game, and he said it's it's – They've developed, they work on it every single day. They're always talking about it and shoot around and after practice, they're always putting in the extra reps after shooting around and practice and doing it. And it's gotten to the point where it can anchor these units and we need them to anchor these units. And it can't just be bam, grabbing the ball at the free throw line and jab stepping into some mid range jumper. And it can't just be Tyler hero doing hero ball stuff. They've got to lean on each other to anchor this right. offense. And, and it's exactly what I suspected. And that's why I asked Eric Spolster about it after the game. I think these new lineups force them basically to do that, to do efficient offense, to run real rinse repeat style offense. And that's what this pick and roll has been. Uh, Tyler hero had a team or uh, not a team high. Cause that was Jimmy Butler with 11 assists, but Tyler hero had seven assists tonight. And I think and most of them without counting, most of them were to bam. So that two man yeah. game has been such a factor for them during this stretch. It wasn't that long ago where we were talking about the two man game between bam and Duncan. That's always been a staple. It has been for years now, but at the same time, I think, it was magnified when Duncan was kind of being exploring that versatility that was such a surprise earlier in the season, especially when Miami had that win streak earlier in the year. Yeah, building but off since the then, I, handoff stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But I think you're starting to see a little bit of, uh, more poise from Tyler, a little bit more patience, and kind of letting the double come to him, and then finding mm. when Bam cuts to the basket. I think that's been a big part of it. it, it the timing has just been perfected. Uh, at to this point. And I think it can still get better. I, mm -hmm. I think it's just really, really good, though. And it, it's nice to see them develop that kind of chemistry that comes from the work right. that yeah, Swell mentioned to you. So and I what, think it's And one thing on that, too, it, it goes yeah. the other way, right? Like Tyler yeah. Heroes, they, there, there was a play early in the game where Bam draws a lot of attention from that foul line. That's in the scouting mm -hmm. report now. You could tell, right? Opponents have that, and they've scouted it. And so it was in the first quarter, Tyler Hero runs that pick and roll at the middle of the floor. Bam kind of settles into that free throw line area. And that's usually when Tyler Hero will hit him with that pocket pass. And I've pointed it right. out before, but he held him with that pocket pass that's sort of become their bread and butter. Um, and he kind of hesitates, and two spurs move towards Bam Adebayo. He and kept it, yeah. I, and, he, and, and so Tyler Hero keeps it. And I love that Bam stood there and, and, and held the, his two defenders. But right. then what was really interesting, and I really like this part, was usually you would like to see Tyler Hero, okay, Bam's holding two defenders over the free throw line. Tyler Hero should be able to get to the basket. Right. for a layup, but he sees that that other defender is Victor Webinyama. So what usually would be an open layup ain't an open layup anymore because that dude's enormous and freakishly and, and will could swat anything from any point on the court. So instead, right. he's like, all right, I got I got like a microsecond here. He goes into that floater, and I thought it was the perfect play, and I love how smart Tyler Hero is in getting in sort of mapping the floor, diagnosing what's happening, and now even sort of recognizing the other players, where they are, 
who they are and what the best op- and what, sort of what the best option offensively is all in within a snap second. So he's been awesome. That development has been so key. Um, the feel, the feel, right? It yeah. just seems like they, they've got that kind of sense now. You, you, you illustrated it perfectly. They're like, bam, normally would dive to the rim, but instead he kind of hangs back a little bit, understanding this is a matchup that spot that Tyler might be able to take advantage of. And then conversely, Tyler says, okay, I can do this, but instead of challenging Webanyama, getting my shot blocked as I have in the past, I'll just kind of hang back here yeah. and, and you incorporate that more uh, versatile offensive repertoire that he's developed. So it's a, uh, it's a really nice development. Hopefully, it continues to improve throughout the season. Well, we're going to keep talking about the rotations and the secret sauce that it might be. Plus, Kayla Martin starting to come on. Has mm. he gotten to the point where he's not tradable? We'll get to that next here on Locked on Heat. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. What's Prize Picks? Well, it's just America's number one fantasy sports app with over 3 million members. It's the easiest. And most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If it's just you against the numbers, you don't have to worry about other competitors. You just pick more than or less than the projections on two to six players, and you watch the winnings roll in. Price picks is simple to play. You can make your picks and submit an entry in less than a minute, 60 seconds. That's all it takes for you to make a little, uh, to win something on your wager. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types. That's what makes Price Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. And right now, again, Price Picks is is giving you an opportunity to have a first deposit match of up to one hundred dollars, but only if you go to PricePicks.com slash lockdown NBA and use the code lockdown NBA. That's L O C K E D O N N B A, and you get a first deposit match of up to one hundred dollars. That's PricePicks.com slash lockdown NBA. Don't forget Price Picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. It's time to get to our listener questions. As always, thanks to everybody who sent in questions on Twitter using that hashtag, AskLOHeat. You can reach us, LockedOnHeat, at gmail.com, on Instagram as well, at LockedOnHeat. This question comes from Sean, who writes in, Did Spo finally find the secret sauce with this rotation, or is this just the product of everybody finally getting comfortable with their roles? Or is it both? David, what do you think? Well, I talked about this yesterday because they, they obviously seemed much more fluid in their win against the Orlando Magic, and it's kind of hard to parse exactly how much of the win was due to rotations or due to just better vibes or due to you know, the idea that that game had additional significance because of where those two teams were in the respective place in the Eastern Conference standing. So there was a lot of different factors, but I think it carried through today. I have to say the rotations have juiced things up, but I also agree that there's probably a little bit of both in the sense that players are understanding their role. We just talked about the Tyler Bam pick and roll combination, the feel that they're sharing for one another. And I think you're starting to see that come around too. It helps that everybody's healthy. So you yep. get some spurts from Jaime, who, who looks like he's rounding into form, even if his shot hasn't falling. His uh, his ability to push the ball up and create opportunities there, I think, are, are something that we all should be lauding from him because, he, again, he, he seems like he's rounding back into form after his injury. Duncan, you know, struggled a little bit, but he still has his moments there. Caleb, we got to shout him up. We didn't give him any kind of cookies, but at the same time, I think he's just – He's much more comfortable where he is. I know yeah. we'll talk about him later in the show, but Terry Rozier had some moments. Josh Richardson had his moments. Like there are players are just starting to, again, kind of figure out where they're supposed to contribute. And it all starts 
at the big with the big three. Those have to be the ones leading the charge. And from there, there's a trickle down effect where everybody has to kind of play their role as effectively as possible. So I think the the rotations are helping, but I think it's also a matter of everybody trying to figure out, look, we can't afford to give up any more games. We want to continue to make a push, not just leading up to the all-star break, but also through the rest of the regular season so that we can continue to climb the Eastern Conference standings. Yeah, I think it's both. Look, we, we let's remember during this stretch, the Heat played three good basketball games against Sacramento, Washington, and LA before the new rotations were set in, and that was but that was after right the, the famous team meeting and film session. Right. So I think the film session was partly like, hey, stop screwing around, do the things that make us the Miami Heat, the Heat culture, all those things, all the stuff that we painted on the the court this year, do that because yeah. you weren't doing it for about a month. And so I think that was part of it. And then I think the new rotations basically have established a hierarchy. Look, NBA teams need hierarchies. NBA teams are just like every other organization in the world. You need to have a hierarchy. You need to have a president and you got to have a vice president and you got to have people under them. And Jimmy Butler was, is the president of this team, at least among the players. And he wasn't acting like it. He was on the golf course for, for a month. Right. And so he needed to come back, and I think that was a big part of it. When you have Jimmy Butler playing like this, like a two-way force the way he has, then it allows Bam to do to pick his spots. It allows Tyler Hero to pick his spots. And then with these new rotations that Eric Spolstra has introduced, we have now the Jimmy Butler offense, which is isolation, post-ups, get guys involved, play him in space with Kevin Love at the five, all those things. And then we have the other offense, which is Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, pick and roll, with basically the other starters and the other key players absent Jimmy Butler and Jimmy has never really meshed well. Jimmy's offense has never really meshed well with the Bam offense because Bam can't space the floor or with Tyler Hero because Tyler Hero wants the ball in his hands. Separate them. Boom. Done. We've got those two staggered against Jimmy Butler for most of the game. And now that hierarchy is clearly set. When Jimmy's on the floor, we run the Jimmy offense. When it's Tyler Hero and Bam on the floor, we run the pick and roll offense. And then everybody else knows how to play off of those guys, depending on who they're on the court with. They just know. All right. This is the formula, and this is how I fit into that calculus. That's what I'm going to do. So I think it's both things. I will say that Jimmy Butler's three-point shooting is probably also a factor as well. <laughs> I mean, he, he is not uh, pulling up for the mid-range shot as frequently, and, and the fact that he's been yeah. a little bit more active and willing to take that three-point shot. Like I mean, we, we were texting about it beforehand. I think he's at 40-something percent for the year, but over the last couple of months, uh, he's been shooting over well over 50%, and he was one of three tonight, so still looking effectively. Uh, and it's just a different weapon. It just... And not only does it bail out Miami out of certain offensive possessions, but it does not clog things up with him and Bam still looking to attack the paint and and pull up for that mid-range jumper. And he's willing to, like, kind of wait there and Mm -hmm. just see if the defender's going to close out. And the defender kind of gives him one step of, like, all right, cool, I'm going to blow by you. And he's doing that a lot more now, too, where he'll just put his shoulder and just barrel through a guy, uh, which he's allowed to do in today's NBA. So he just does it and and gets to the rim and maybe draws a foul at the basket or whatever. So I love it. I love. Did he talk about his altercation with the referees? Because I know that was a fun spot to watch. He just that said that great. he kind of gets fired up and blah 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 and whatever. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I loved I loved him just pointing out to every ref. I mean, that goes into the Jimmy Butler classic highlight reel where he just you're trash, you're trash, you're trash, and you're trash. I'm awesome at my job. And my favorite part, David, was I don't know if the broadcast caught this, but like four minutes later. He gets a foul call on that same side of the court, obviously, because it's in the second half. And he starts laughing with the referee who called him for the tee. So they, <laughs> they had a laugh. So, you know, competitive fire, competitive juices, et cetera, et cetera. This comes from Brian. Caleb Martin has looked like he is finally at 100 percent 
athletically. If that's true, is there anybody actually in the Heat's price range on the trade market who is an upgrade from him? David, what do you think? Uh, realistically, yes, I suppose there probably is. I just don't know how likely those players are to get traded. I, I think like we've seen some minor moves. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of that. I don't know that a major player is going to get shaken up or, or, or get traded by tomorrow's deadline. But I just, you know, we've maintained this pretty consistently. Like, there isn't a, a, a real upgrade that you're going to be able to get that's not going to force you to trade something else. I can see the rationale being, you know, Caleb's on an expiring contract. He might not be somebody you can resign. And if you're going to lose him for nothing, try and get something out of that by trading him. But I don't think that's what Miami's plan is. They want to be able to maximize what Caleb can provide this year to be able to provide more depth uh, during maximize this run. window, right? right? And so it, right. they're not gonna they're not gonna trade him for something that's not an upgrade or more. This is probably more accurate. They're not gonna trade him for a downgrade, right? Sure. I, I think if there were a a perfect power forward making seven million dollars <laughs> that could slide right into the starting lineup, they would have already made that trade. Yeah, or they would at least been they would have at least considered it. I don't know that that player is out there. I've seen some people say Trey Lyles from Sacramento. I think oh. that's I, I I like Trey Lyles. I like him a lot actually. I I think that's still a downgrade from Caleb Martin yeah. just from a talent vacuum standpoint. Yeah. But so it's hard. It's hard to find that exact right player. I think Eric Spoelstra going to Caleb Martin in the starting lineup is a vote of confidence. I I don't get the impression. I'm going to try to word this right. I don't got I don't have the impression that Caleb Martin has the impression that he's going to get traded. Yep. So I, I, I'll leave it there. That's what I'll say. It doesn't mean no, that anything can, that it doesn't mean that nothing can happen, but I don't think that Caleb Martin expects to be playing somewhere after the trade deadline. I, I know a lot of our fans probably don't want to hear that, but I, I think that if there's another factor to the whole looseness that we've seen from this team is that unlike the 29 other teams in the NBA, there's no fear that somebody's going to get traded because they did make their move because they mm. traded their best asset in Kyle Lowry and acquired Terry Rozier. And so it doesn't seem like they're going to be making any other move that's going to significantly change this roster. I mean, again, it could be moving Drew Smith. It could be moving Thomas Bryant, something smaller to get under the cap or right. to clear some cap space, but nothing like to shake up a core rotation player at this or point. Or maybe they do, David. Elsewhere. Don't spoil the trade <laughs> deadline. <laughs> I, I no, I'm not. I, I look. I know there's a lot of hype about it, and oh, I know no, there's a lot of belief. But no, it, it's it's really tough to predict. Like Miami is so hard to read sometimes. I don't think like, we, we we didn't we see... didn't really see the big. We didn't really see the big. We're trading Justice Winslow and all this stuff for Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder trade coming either, and they made that to maximize right. that year too. So I I won't ever rule anything out. To your point, David, with this front office, I won't rule anything out. There's a lot of moving parts. I know that they've been talking to other front offices and just figuring out, sure. okay, what is this play? Not that I don't think Miami is shopping any of their individual players. I think they've called other front offices and they've said, what's this player worth for you? What is it that you're looking for for this player? And Andy Ellisberg is the master at kind of taking all these things, putting them in some sort of document and sort of like whatever beautiful mind thing that he's got going on and saying, all right, now I can sort of be the, the puppet master and get everybody these three and four team deals that he's a wizard at creating. I can get everybody right. what they want. And more importantly, I can get what I want out of it too. And so yeah. that's, if there's phone calls going out from Miami, I think it's those kind of calls, just figuring out what these players are worth to their fr respective franchises. And that does not necessarily mean that a trade's going to get done and that Andy Ellsberg is going to pull something out like this, but that's just how Miami operates. And so who knows? 
stuff gets weird at the deadline, at the trade deadline. New opportunities emerge based on other conversations and other deals that are happening outside, and right. something can happen. I think with, with the Celtics, with the Celtics acquiring Tillman too, it kind of takes them out of the running of some other players that Miami may or not be sure. interested in. Kelly Olynyk. Uh, mm. I, I think Jake Fisher yeah. kind of reported today that Miami's interest in, in Olenek is still there. Uh, I know yep. the Celtics yep. have been interested in him too, but now that they've acquired Tillman, he's not on their radar anymore. So it could we'll something could still happen if it's a multi-team trade there in Miami has an opportunity to translate their you know negligible assets for a player that might be able to contribute to the long playoff run. Well, you'll have to find out. Listen to tomorrow uh, tomorrow's episode right after the trade deadline when we break down everything that does happen. We'll end it here, though. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube and follow us on your podcast app.